Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today our church celebrates the great feast of Christ the King, and how appropriate. Today is the very end of our liturgical year. Next week, as we begin Advent, is the beginning of a new liturgical year. And so it is fitting, as we conclude every year, that we must recognize who our King is, who our Lord is, Jesus Christ. He truly is the Lord of our life. Now, growing up, even as an adult, before I went into the seminary, I always found that priests had a hard time preaching about this feast of Christ the King. In fact, I'll never forget one priest who said that we shouldn't say Jesus is King because it doesn't carry the same meaning that it once did in the ancient world. He said that we should consider Jesus as president or prime minister. Well, I would greatly disagree with that. To say that kingship, Jesus' kingship, is commensurate or equal to a presidency or a prime minister, if we really think that, then we've treated Jesus as an elected official. Worse yet, we have control over him. If we don't like him or his teachings, we can vote him out of our life. But instead, we as a church profess that Jesus Christ truly is our Lord and King. He is to whom our life is ordered to. Our total allegiance and obedience belongs to Christ. If you look at the readings of John Paul II, you see that he's constantly proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Lord of our lives, such that at the heart of discipleship is to know him, to love him, and to serve him. Now, the first century Christians boldly proclaimed Jesu Domine, which is Latin for Jesus is Lord and King. Now, this was a very provocative statement that they made. Realize, if you're living in the first century in the Roman Empire, you boldly professed Caius Domine, which means Caesar is Lord. Whether you liked it or not, he is your Lord, your King. And, if you profess anyone else to be your Lord and King, you're guilty of treason. You'd be thrown in jail, maybe even executed. And yet, the early Christians, starting with the apostles, summoned the courage to say, No, no to Caius Domine. Instead, Jesus Domine. Jesus is our Lord and King. See, a great example of this is St. Paul. This is the reason why Paul spent half of his ministry between 12 to 15 years sitting in Roman prisons because he boldly and publicly proclaimed Jesus Domine, what we celebrate here today. Look at our church history. The first three centuries of our church, all the popes were martyred, along with many or countless others, because they all professed Jesus Domine, what we celebrate here today. Christ is the king of our life. 
Now, with that in mind, turn to the second reading. We have Paul's letter to the Colossians. This letter is probably the strongest statement that declares and tells us why Jesus is our king of our life. It begins, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Well, Christ makes visible the life and the love of the invisible God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you look at Jesus' life, at his baptism, and when he climbs Mount Tabor and is miraculously transfigured, you see the Holy Trinity on display. You see the life and the love of God. Well, Jesus makes that visible. Notice also what Paul says. He is the firstborn of all creation. Paul tells us that Christ reversed the sin of Adam. What really is the sin of Adam? Well, the sin of Adam essentially is, yes, the fall from grace, but it disfigures our image. Remember, we're all created in the image and likeness of God. And yet, after the fall, after the sin of Adam, that image is disfigured. Well, now Christ comes into this world and reverses exactly what Adam did. And now we are reshaped into the proper image and likeness of God, which God always intended from the very beginning. See, again, this is the reason why Christ makes visible the invisible God so that we can truly know who and what we are created in. Next, Paul writes, For in him were created all things in heaven and earth, the visible and the invisible. Well, now Paul is pointing to the fact that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. Jesus was there at the very beginning of creation, and he will be with us until the end of time. And this is exactly what he promises apostles before he ascends into heaven. Paul continues, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. Well, Paul now is categorizing, or he could say naming, the various classes of angels, and that Christ reigns supreme over all things, even the angels themselves. Paul continues, he is the head of the body, the church. Here, Paul points to the special union that we have, in which Christ is the head, and we as a church are the body. And see, that's an intimate relationship that Paul is describing here. We have to realize our God is not some distant figure in some far-out galaxy. Instead, our God is one in which we are rooted in life and love with him, that we truly share a life with him. Notice further, when he says he is the head, it means that Jesus directs and oversees all the activities of our individual lives, as well as the activities of our church. See, Paul uses this great analogy to stress that the head and the body, they share the same life together. Just like our own head cannot exist on its own, nor can our body exist without a head, well, he's stressing the fact that we cannot exist without the life and the love of Jesus Christ in our life. Therefore, the body needs the head, and the head needs the body. Well, we need Jesus Christ in order for us to truly have life, and in this case, eternal life. Well, Paul continues, he says, the firstborn from the dead. Well, now he's reinforcing that Christ truly was raised from the dead, that Jesus is immortal, 
and now promises that same life to all of us who believe in him. Next, he says, for in him all the fullness was pleased to dwell. Well, now he's stressing that Jesus Christ is fully divine. He truly is the second person of the Holy Trinity. Realize, Jesus Christ is not like you or I, and that was suddenly or immediately blessed with these divine powers, kind of like a a superman or a batman, some superhuman being. No, instead, Jesus Christ truly is God, the second person of the Holy Trinity. And as Paul says, all power and holiness reside within Christ. Notice further, he says, through him to reconcile all things for him. Well, through Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus now restores the peace that once existed between the Father and all of humanity. The friendship that was interrupted by the sin of Adam is now restored. You know, go to Genesis. It says, before the fall, Adam and Eve walked in easy fellowship with God in the cool evening in the garden. Well, now that friendship, that harmony has been restored with the Father through Jesus' death and resurrection. And now a new covenant through Christ is created. And every time we celebrate Mass, we remember and we reaffirm the covenant that we have with God. And see, Paul tells us point blank, this is the reason why Jesus is the Lord and the King of our life. This is why we must always celebrate this, not just today, but every day of our life. One last thought. Turn to the Gospel. Here, Luke gives us this image of Jesus dying on the cross. If you notice, very few people are there with him. Mary, his mother, and a few others. All the apostles have abandoned him. Look at his image. He's stripped naked, nailed to a cross. Worse yet, the people are taunting him. They're jeering at him. Jesus here is abandoned, dying a humiliating death. And yet, that's the image of our King and Lord. That's the image of our Jesus Domine. Now, what is the world's view of kingship? How does it observe kingship? Through power, authority, the ability to control people? Better yet, the ability to protect yourself. You see this with politicians. A very powerful congressman or senator, they make a huge blunder, a mistake, and they have the power to cover themselves up. Well, We see our true king. He doesn't save himself. Instead, he gives himself away. Our king is one who empties himself so that the world can be saved. Our king, yes, he wears a crown just like all kings, but it's not a crown of jewels. It's of thorns. Our king, yes, he reigns from a throne, but it's not a throne of grandeur. Instead, it's the throne of the cross. Today, the Universal Church, Holy Mother Church, boldly proclaims what the first early Christians provocatively and risking their life proclaimed, Jesus Domine. Jesus Christ truly is the Lord and the King of our life. And we should boldly proclaim this each and every day of our life. The best way? Just how we live our lives, how we conduct ourselves. What we say and what we do each and every day of our life is the best way for us to tell the entire world who really is truly the Lord of our life. 
to whom our allegiance and obedience is towards, Jesus Christ, now and always. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest in you always.